Hello, friends. Let me take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast. Let me talk to you a little bit about searching for happiness or trying to achieve goals. And oftentimes, life and circumstances and other reasons get in the way. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with your therapist within 48 hours. And it's not a crisis hotline, okay? And it's not self-help. It's actual professional counseling, but it's done securely online. You have access to BetterHelp's network of over 20,000 counselors with a wide variety of expertise and training. And this is also about accessibility, If you don't have a counselor in your area to see in person, then this could be a great solution for you. So this service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. So again, accessibility. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as in traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, and they make it easy and free if you want to change counselors if necessary. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit BetterHelp.com. That's Better. H-E-L-P dot com slash psych explained and join the over 1 million people who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced mental health professionals. And there's a special offer for my Psychology Concepts Explained listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash psych explained. You can see the link in the show notes. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Psychology Concepts Explained. Hello, welcome to Psychology Concepts Explained. This is your host, Dr. Jack Truong. And um, Let me stop. Stop. Uh, what happened? <laughs> brain freeze. <laughs> you need a what? <laughs> I said brain freeze. <laughs> hey, we might as well just keep this. Okay, let me just keep going. All right. So, welcome to another episode <laughs> of Psychology Concepts Explained. I'm going by my my motto of never editing anything. And you may have heard another voice in the background. I'm finally going getting around to doing interviews, and this is my very first guest. We're continuing the theme of May 2021 is Mental Health Month, as well as Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And my wife and I talked about it and thought it would be a great idea to have her on on the show to talk about the country of Myanmar. Okay, I am Taiwanese American. She is Burmese American. And her name is A. I won't refer to her as my wife the whole time or That's use me. honey. Yeah. <laughs> so A, kind, why don't you introduce yourself real quickly? Um, like you mentioned, I'm A, and uh, I'm Burmese American. <clears throat> Many people refer to uh, the country as Burma in the past, and now uh, a lot of people refer to it as Myanmar. Um, I'm used to saying Burma, but I will interchangeably, um, you know, use it throughout the the interview. Um, again, I'm A, and I and that's spelled A Y E, and pronounced like the letter A because everyone asks, "How is my name pronounced?" Because everyone sees it and they think it's I I like you know, I I Captain, but it's A. Anyway, I am Burmese American, like I said, and um, let's see, how long have we been married? Twenty one years. years. Twenty one years. Yeah. <laughs> see how good uh, I was and, answering that. And I've been a I'm a social worker by uh, training. And uh, I've been a social worker, I licensed social worker for 25 years. Um, But 
that's enough about me. Um, no, you're the you're the interviewee. There's no that's not a that's not how it works. You just you're supposed to just keep talking. Okay. Right? I'm the interviewer and I ask the questions. And you can just talk all the great things about me. <laughs> yeah, that's why I have you on as a, as my very first guest on the podcast. So the idea is is to sort of shed light on the fact that as Asian Americans, and that term is a bit misleading that living in America, not all people of Asian descent share everything in common, right? It's just that because we're part, originally our ancestors are from a certain part of the world geographically, within the United States, we get clumped together and assume that all of our habits and cultures and religions are pretty much the same, right? Mm -hmm. Most people who are not of Asian descent do not pay attention to these details in terms of these differences. And we're going to highlight today a lot of these major differences. So we have an agenda today. So we're going to talk a bit about that, um, A's professional background, and um, talk about aspects of Burmese culture or Myanmar culture, culture that most people may not be aware of. And certainly I was not, even as a Taiwanese American, had no clue how to learn and made a lot of mistakes <laughs> with, with your family. And um, and we'll also talk about, and so we'll, we'll go through a lot of different issues in our little outline here. And also A's work as an interpreter for Burmese, working with Burmese refugees in Texas. We'll talk about well, our I'm time. I'm a novice to this podcast, so there's yeah. going to be a lot of things that you'll just have to prompt and I'll try to remember to. Yeah. You, the, ask, you ask the questions and I'll answer. Yeah, we're not that. NPR, you know, we're, we're this is not a <laughs> professional thing. So it's just going to be the way it is. And yeah. uh and we're if amateurs. we erupt into a big old fight right in the middle of it, so be it. So be it. <laughs> yeah. We almost did before. Yeah, it's almost like too close to home for some people. It's like, hey, are they fighting? I think they're fighting. All right. So let me go down my list of topics. And um, let's see. Uh, well, um, I think one of the things we talked about was whether or not to use the term the word Myanmar or Burma. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that, the distinction? Yeah, you know, Burma is is the, the name that I grew up with and um, it's more of a sort of a colonial name, I guess, you know. And Myanmar is the name that we use when we refer to the country in the Burmese language, right? So I might be speaking Burmese and I would say Myanmar. And that's, that's the pronunciation of it. Um, <clears throat> When I'm talking to someone in the past, I've never referred to uh, the country as Myanmar. I've always, you know, spoken as Burma. So that's what I'm used to. But however, uh, <clears throat> out of respect for uh, people of Myanmar, people of Burma, I would use the, the, the country interchangeably, the name. Yeah. Okay. So you, either way you... is fine. I think Myanmar is harder for people, it's probably harder for people to pronounce. Yeah. You no, know, and Burma is the colonial name. And this name was changed. I forgot when, but you know, it was the, the military that changed it and probably because I don't know, they heard it in a fortune teller somewhere says, you know, you need to change it. That's the kind yeah. of stuff they do. Yeah, and and also they changed the flag of the country mm -hmm. as yes, well. No, they do all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> I don't want to make this point that just because A's background is Burmese American and my background is Taiwanese American. Right. You know, I think a lot of ethnic minorities in the U.S. F feel a sense of burden that maybe because you're the only one of your background within a group of your social circle that you feel like you somehow represent the mm -hmm. entire group or that you're somehow an insider expert, right? And well, to some I'm extent, no expert, yeah, on, on Burma. However, I do feel that, you know, I have a lot of... Um, familiarity probably more than the average American, right? Right. Um, I came to America, <clears throat> to the U.S. in 1980 uh, when I was 12. And I'm going to give away my age here, but I've been here for, what, 42, 41 years? Yeah, yeah. something like that. So, you know, I've I've lived here a lot longer than I've been back in Burma, obviously, but each time that I've returned, I've learned some, you know, I'm naive about a lot of things, but I also know, have, have learned because I live, you know, with my parents and 
for a long time. And, you know, they've taught us a lot. And, you know, within the Burmese community, I've learned a lot. And each time that I return, I learned a lot about the culture myself. And some things surprise me and some things don't. Um, so, you know, like, like you were saying, we're not experts, but um, we will do our, I'll do my best to try to uh, shed some light about uh, the culture. Yeah. And I think that's an important point that when we as second or third generation mm-hmm. Asians go back to our quote unquote home country or mm-hmm. country of origin, you know, I think we discover a lot of things that, you know, and even your parents, for example, of that generation go back and they'll discover a lot of changes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's because Asian Americans here, we tend to hold on to whatever, it's like, we're in a time, it's like we're in a time capsule, right? We hold on to certain cultural practices and vocabulary based on up until the time we left. Mm-hmm. And we may continue to do things the same way, probably evolve in a different way because we blend in with American culture. But then those left, you know, living in that home country, right? They're evolving in a different way. Right. Right. And so just because someone has spent, someone's Burmese American, like spent 40 years in America, right? That same person your age in Burma has a totally different life experience. even and outlook. In, even mm-hmm. in, in terms of the Burmese aspect right, of the culture. Right, right. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And, you know, um, I, I have to say each time that I've gone back, um, you know, I, I, I don't know how to explain, but uh, in some ways, you know, I... I don't feel as I belong, you know, they, I kind of feel like um, an outsider because I've lived here for so long. And, you know, there are certain cultural taboos that I may not know about that, you know, I might be doing, or I'm too Americanized or, you know, um, this, this might be another, a completely different topic <clears throat> than, you know, what we had talked about before. But that's one of the things that I, I've noticed is uh, the feeling like you want to belong when you go back, you know, and so the the idea that or the um, that you you want to belong here as an American, mm-hmm. right? And then you want to belong when you go back to your own country, and so you're kind of stuck in two cultures, you know. We're, we're probably and, outsiders in yeah, both places, yeah. And right. feeling like an outsider, um, a lot more so in the past few years, I have to say, but. Um, yeah, yeah. When I go back, you know, I have this the feel like I want to belong. But then when I get there and when I'm there, I often, um, yeah. So it's it's very difficult uh, in both cultures. I think um, might be a completely different topic. But um, well, it even just, when you it just go came back, to my mind when we we're talking. Yeah, about even it. when you go back and you <clears throat> blend in, you wear Burmese clothes and you're speaking the language, you know, and and just physical appearance wise you can blend in and not stand out as an american but to some extent i, I think they have extent. a they have a way of knowing yes because remember that one time when we went back it was the first time that you went back and they immediately saw your feet mm-hmm. and I, of course i you know in and we went somewhere i think uh we went to a, a temple somewhere and <clears throat> and they were saying that and of course they thought they didn't know that i'm i'm burmese right um, so I hear I hear them speaking behind us, and they're saying that you know they're thinking that you're Japanese, and I might be Japanese too. They're not sure, but they're so sure that you're Japanese because your feet are white. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, and plus I don't wear the right uh, flip flops because everybody, you know, no yeah. one's wearing sneakers over there, right? I mean, <clears throat> typically speaking, unless you're in some sort of uh, you know formal work environment, you wear regular right. Western style shoes. Mm-hmm. But most everyone that we encounter wears flip flops, and so your yeah. your and it feet are. So, exp- it, it sounds so uh, informal, you know, or, yeah. or um, uh, not a formal type of wear, you know, wearing flip flops because that's what you wear to the beach here in the West, right? Yeah. But in reality, over there, a lot of people wear, you know, really fancy, flip-flops. you know, for the lack of better term, <laughs> flip flops. Fancy you know, fl- but, FFF, yeah, fancy flip flops. Yeah, yeah, fancy. Yeah. Fancy flip flops. Yeah, even during uh, we actually had a ceremony over there, right? It wasn't our official wedding ceremony, but we had a ceremony over there, and I, and I, or no, it was actually the one in Houston where yeah, yeah, yeah. part of your wedding attire. I got it confused because we had other formal dinners, you know, 
in yeah. Taiwan and and in Myanmar, and and you had uh, really blinged out in thick platform style, yeah, <laughs> flip flops, right? Because that's what you wear to a wedding, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or to you know? your own wedding, <laughs> and, and also because of the culture being Buddhist, you take off your shoes all the time, right? And to go inside, right? That's mm-hmm. why we we share that in common in the sense that you know a lot of Asians don't wear shoes inside the house. Correct. That's why growing up and living in America and watching TV shows, it just sort of makes us cringe. And even Emma, our daughter, does this now too. She cringes when we see people, yeah, people getting on, on, yeah, people getting getting on their on beds, beds with shoes. Yeah, yeah. Or walking into a house with yeah. the shoes on. We just, just don't do that. Yeah, it's like, what are they thinking? <clears throat> yeah, we and don't so, wear our shoes in the house because there's uh, because you're bringing dirt from outside, right? right and you right. want to leave that dirt outside and then... Like in Taiwan, we would wear um, inside shoes, and well, we have inside well, shoes and we have outside shoes. And you but, can tell who's home by looking at the shoes yeah. <laughs> outside the door. Like, oh, totally. somebody's visiting, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then yeah. inside, we wear indoor slippers. And then, if you happen to go to a balcony, there are balcony slippers. Yeah. So there's sort of like outdoor indoor slippers. Yeah. Um, so there's like a slipper for every occasion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then if there's a particular pair of slippers you like, say at your aunt's house, you try to hide them. <laughs> So you can find them each time you you can wear them each time you right. visit. Yeah. And so let me mention a few things because these are the things that I learned from being with A um, <clears throat> about Burmese culture. And it may not be limited to just Burmese culture, but these are the things that I learned that I've learned that are part of Burmese culture. It's not just their family. <laughs> <clears throat> and that is you don't use your foot to point as a pointer. You know, we usually normally. Okay, right? let me you tell know? you why. Let me okay. tell you why that is. It's because your feet are the lowest part of your uh, your body, right? right? So, um, and, and in Burma, you know, you might see kids running around without shoes on. You know, oh my gosh, that's a no no here in America, right? But <clears throat> you might see kids, you know, running around and you're, you know, playing in dirt or whatever. So it's the lowest part of your your body, and so. It's a it's a disrespect to use your feet to point at something, so that's why we don't. And when we go to um, to a temple, to a monastery, we monastery, we take off our shoes because you you don't want to bring in all that dirt, you know, from outside. Um, and on that note about your feet, um, you have you can't you can't step on uh, books. Yeah, or touch them with your touch feet. Touch them with your feet. You don't point. You don't put your you feet up on a coffee that. table. Yeah, you don't put it on your coffee table. You don't yeah. like put your feet up when in in the presence of elderly. Right. Because that's their disrespect. It's even like when we sleep, uh, we have to be real careful where our feet point. Because at some point, you know, I just had to tell my mom, you know, there are temples everywhere all over Burma. So, you <laughs> know, you just you just can't. Uh, you know, you be direct too your careful. feet in exactly. the direction of a temple, so or, so or in the Buddha room inside your house. Yes, <laughs> right. These are all cultural taboos. So uh, more than likely, you know, um, when we when we come into the house, and if someone, you know, like for my mom, my mom who's sleeping, sometimes she visits here and she's sleeping here, then I have to think of it ahead of time to figure out. Okay, so when she's here, they're going to be, you know, she's going to be sleeping over there. So I need to make sure that my feet are not directing towards that that part of the house. Same thing with Emma, right? And we have to make sure that her bed is situated a certain way that it doesn't, uh, her feet are not uh, directed at my parents or us. Yeah. So right. it's complicated, but. Yeah. So the, the, that bottom of the foot thing is very, and then uh, we saw an example <laughs> year, many years ago, I think, remember George W. Bush was at a press conference. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then. <laughs> um, Oh, someone, you know, someone threw him, threw a yeah, shoe threw a him. shoe in his direction. Remember, and, and the, the, we're all watching the replay of the video and how quickly he was able to duck from it. But the idea there was that throwing a shoe at someone is the, is the largest form of insult, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That yeah. you can sort of bestow upon someone. You know, that's just showing that you're really mad at that person. It's not just used as a weapon, but symbolic. Right. And we, we can talk a little bit about that later once we have talked about the coup and, you know, yeah. what, what's happening and yeah, how, yeah. yeah, yeah, we can talk. Because you've been that. following that 
religiously every day. And so you, I think you have a lot more information than probably a lot of journalists do uh, who may not be following this all the time. Um, another thing that I found was interesting was that, you know, porridge or rice soup, if you want to call that, or in Thai language, they call it chok, or in other Chinese language, it's called chou. And Burmese is <clears throat> Yeah, it's a common breakfast, right? And But I learned that, let's call it rice soup or porridge, that for Burmese people, it's not something you eat every day. In fact, you only eat it when you're sick. Right. right? So, so <laughs> although you enjoy it so much, every time I see rice soup, I'm like, I'm not sick. I don't want any of that. <laughs> I don't mind making it for you. So when Emma shows certain preferences for certain foods, we're, we're thinking, oh, that's the Burmese side of her, or this is the Taiwanese side of her. You know? Yeah, and you know, uh, she used to like, when we were living in Thailand, and uh, when she was little, she used to like joke. She used to yeah. like sambiok. But now, lately, she's not too crazy about it. Yeah, yeah. so I guess, she's, I guess she's leaning towards the Burmese. Yeah. Burmese yeah, so let's, let's talk more about food, because... <laughs> What I find interesting is that, is that sometimes we'll come across a food and that it's pronounced mm -hmm. exactly the same way as it is in a Taiwanese dialect. Like, yeah. uh, di kui, I think, uh, is one of them, right? The dessert. Di kui, uh-huh, it's a dessert, yeah. uh-huh. Or, and then the, well, uh, um, uh, yi jia kui. Yi jia kui, right, right, uh -huh. which is in, in Mandarin, the you tiao. Right, right? But that's the, basically uh, fried dough. It's fried dough, you know, the long uh, fried dough, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that in Taiwan, you eat that for breakfast and you dip it in hot bowl of soy milk, yeah, whether it's sweet it. or savory. We eat it in Burma too, except we eat it with the uh, sweet, yeah, sweet tea. But presentation-wise, in Burma, they would chop it up, right? No, that's in Thailand. Oh. oh, actually, no, they do that in Burma too. Yeah, you're right, you're right. I'm not talking about tiny pieces, but they at least yeah, yeah. cut it in like <laughs> yeah, thirds, they do. right? Yeah, they do. On a plate. Yep. And I want to talk a little bit about what it was like to live, I mean, or at least long stay in Myanmar or Burma and my perspective on things because I love the Burmese tea shops because mm -hmm. when we visited, what, 20 years ago, it was so different than it is now, but some elements are still the same where these tea shops had, you know, the tables were low to the ground. You're sitting on little chairs like for kids kind of thing like and. And almost all the men were reading newspapers, right? Reading about politics. And at mm -hmm. that time, early on, you hardly saw anything political like symbols and, and pictures. But then when we went back within the past 10 years where it was more open, you saw lots of photos of Ansan Suu Kyi everywhere, well, right? Especially, Remember? yeah, in the five, yeah. in the past five years um, mm -hmm. because of, you know, the more um, open, you know, that it be it became, um, it a long time ago, um, you can't even have Da Aung San Suu Kyi's, um, her picture is against the law. I mean, you just can't even do that. But um, but yeah, yeah, in, in the past, I don't know, five to 10 years, probably, it's gotten a lot more open. Yeah. So in Burma, you know, basically, um, they haven't really tasted uh, democracy the way that, you know, the West has. Uh, they just had a taste of it, you know, very, very small, very short time um, in the, I would say, you know, five years, five years is probably the, all that they've, um, so that's why, and we can talk a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later. That's why, you know, the young people, the Gen Z are fighting so hard, <clears throat> Yeah, you know, to hold on to that. Um, so yeah, you know, political, politically, um, we, you know, for the past six decades, seven decades, it's been military rule. And, yeah. you know, when I was a child, you know, it's just, that's just the way it was. Um, it, there's always been uh, political unrest, um, dictatorship, authoritarian kind of, you know, um, uh, ruling. So, yeah. Because we, we talk about this a lot, that no matter how bad it gets in the U.S. And, mm -hmm. and in some recent years, we feel like it has gotten pretty bad or it feels like it's bad now as well. Well, yeah. Well, and, you know, and I remember four years ago, I'm sorry, I, I, yeah. I'm just going to jump in. Um, you know, I remember how many years ago for in 2016, you know, when I was watching all the um, um, political <clears throat> 
you know, campaigns and all of that, um, I, I thought to myself, I thought about what was happening in Burma when I was growing up and the kind of verbiage that I was hearing. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I just knew that the country, America was going, and we weren't yeah, even in, we weren't even in the language. U.S., yeah. right? At the time in 2016, we were in Taiwan, we were living in mm-hmm. Taiwan. And uh, I, I just knew that, um, yeah, and it, it was just a terrible time because I was sort of foreshadowing, you know, with my own experience uh, uh, growing up and um, knowing what had been happening in Burma. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, you. I think yeah. at the time, I remember you predicted it was going to get really bad when yeah. most people were just thinking, oh, let's just see how it goes. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not that big a deal that Trump is in office, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think as Americans, I think the majority of Americans really don't have a clue what it's really like to have an authoritarian regime and not have rights. I think when mm-hmm. people complain about policies like wearing masks or, you know, certain types of laws, you know, that that's nothing, you know, in terms of that feeling that their rights are being infringed upon. Right now in Burma, uh, this is not the, this is, we think is the official count, which is about close to, we're about two, 20 people short of 800 being mm-hmm. murdered. Yeah. And that's not the actual, I think the number is much higher. It has always been this way. Um, and over 4,000 people incarcerated. Um, and people, uh, the, the people of Myanmar, people of Burma, are um, taken into custody or, you know, arrested or whatever. <clears throat> just for the fact that um, you have a social media account or you share something on social media or you um, are in a group and you're an admin and you're anti-military. You can be anti-anything here in America. And you, cannot be, you, you cannot be arrested for being anti-something, right? Right, just That's for your a, beliefs. It's not a crime. Yeah. It's yeah. not a crime. Well, it is in Burma, and yeah. people are dying for it. And so when I oh, – I can go on and on about this. Um, no, you can go on now. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it's I, – when I think about the privileges and the, the rights, human rights that we take for granted, that we don't think about every single day um, – the people in Burma, people in Myanmar, they, they, they have none of it. And the military makes sure, they, they make absolutely sure that you know that. And um, so, you know, back in 2008, remember 2009, um, I started working with Burmese refugees. Mm-hmm. And um, that was about... You know, the, 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 the coup, there have been so many coups in Burma, starting with 1952, I believe. And since then, you know, the, uh, new generals come in, they, uh, you know, they, they take control of um, the country and, and it just gets worse and worse over time. The education, you know, the, the uh, infrastructures, you know, everything, everything, everything is just a mess. So, what happens is that with the ethnic minorities, you know, they are, are get pushed out of the country. You know, they have, um, they just have very little human rights, right? So, um, so I, you know, I'm a social worker. So in 2008, 2009, um, it came to my attention that there's not enough um, interpreters. There's not enough caseworkers. There's no one, to, you know, in, interpreting um, for the work, you know, to help Burmese refugees. So several of us, there's only a handful of us. I am the only, as I don't know about today, back then, up until 2010, up un- up until maybe even uh, recently, who knows. Um, I was the only licensed Burmese social worker at the time. And so um, 
I would get called calls. Um, you know, someone might be coming in at the airport and they don't know what's going on, you know, the refugees. And, you know, they have just landed from, let's say, Malaysia or Thailand. And I would get a phone call, and, you know, to help interpret, to let this family who just landed in the U.S. because they're running from terror, basically. Um, uh, and, and before they get here, they have, many of them have lived in the the camp for, I would say, at least 10, 20, 15 years. Yeah. They don't just get here. And that's yeah. it's a it's it's a misnomer or you know uh, misinformation out there that uh, that the immigrants just come here. There's a huge. I mean, America, the U.S. is um, has a what do you call what do we call it? Um, you know, you you have to um, I guess the process. whole process, yeah. yeah, of processing people and you know vetting them before mm-hmm. they get here. So you have to wait 10, 15, 20 years in the camps. Yeah. Living in, you know, we huts met, and met yeah, families we met that them. spoke fluent Thai because that's where they were. Right. They right? were in, in Thailand. Yeah. And yeah. um, so what happens is that when they get here, you know, um uh, what I was saying earlier was that, you know, I would mm-hmm. get a phone call at, you know, I don't know, in the evening because they know they don't know anyone else. So um, someone might call me from the airport and say, well, I need to help this family. The family can't, they don't speak any English and you need to help me explain why they're here, what we're doing, where we're going to take them. I mean, can you imagine coming to a, a brand new country and you're greeted and sometimes um, some families get separated meaning mm-hmm. that they're unaccompanied, so children separated from the parents. I don't know how that happens, but it does. Um, and sometimes children come here without, uh, because they, they didn't have parents from the beginning, you know, because they were killed. So, um, uh, so you know, back in the days when I used to work with them, <clears throat> uh, you, we used to go out, remember, honey? We yeah. used to go out and um, uh, help them get acclimated to their new apartment Mm -hmm. to because they don't even they don't know what the what a refrigerator is yeah there's not much orientation for you know know, life skills training yeah very little just thrown in there assuming that they know the basics of how to live in the states yeah and it and and this is not to um you know say bad things about the the agencies that are working with them it's just that there are limited resources right that's just how it always is right Mm -hmm. so um so they get, you know, here they are told um, there's a processing, you know, um, a way of getting them here and, you know, putting them in a hotel room. Then they get them to uh, an apartment where they can stay. Um, all of that, this is all new to them, right? Yeah. And then so everything had to start from beginning in having, you know, orientation classes. But translating and interpreting T- uh, translating everything from English to Burmese, you know, all of that takes time and resources. Right? Yeah. And so we had to start all of that from beginning. Um, yeah. And this was, and, you know, and, and you were tested and, and was, became a certified. Yeah. Language I, I worked as an interpreter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I, why I learned the difference between an interpreter and a translator. Yeah. A translator is a translation is when you actually uh, tr- uh, translate in writing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a transcript. Like documents, right? books. Yeah. yeah. And then interpreting is when you're actually speaking and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're at a doctor's office and you want to uh, interpret for the patient because the patient doesn't understand what's happening. And yeah. so when you're interpreting, you can't interpret um, your feelings and, you know, you have to say exactly what the patient is saying. So you don't do any. Okay. Uh, reduce bias, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't yeah. have your own agenda. So, so there's ethics, there. you know, around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so you have to have specific training. You can't just grab someone off the street and say, hey, you're bilingual. Why don't you go be an interpreter? To be honest, we were at that point because we didn't have... Yeah, so few resources. You know, so, yeah. so few people. Uh, it's but, ironic because there actually is a, f- a fairly big, you know, uh, Burmese-American community. Mm-hmm. Now there um, is. Yeah, now that now is more because of the refugee yeah. population. Mm-hmm. Um, and many, a lot of them went to uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Indiana, yeah, of mm-hmm. all places. That was right? one of the. Mm-hmm. 
uh, one of the largest um, settlements. It, wasn't it because of one particular um, church leader, pastor? Yes, yes. Like brought in a couple so. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and was very open and welcoming of them. And then yes. the word gets around and suddenly people started pouring into that one location yeah. in the middle of America. Right. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. And going back, you know, one particular memory I had was a particular family we were helping. We brought Emma along. She was very young at the time and a couple of my students, I think. Oh, yeah. And the idea was we, I think we collected and distributed some donation items, but also yeah, we were you know, trying that to was, yeah, yeah, that was just uh, a, one of those things that we did, you know. Um, so, you know, as a social worker, you have your day job, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and then I get all these phone calls and connections and, you know, and it spreads like wildfire. And I learned that there are so many, you know, refugees out there that need help. So, you know, on my spare time, me and uh, the two of us, you know, we yeah. would um, like I put out a, um, a notice to say, you know, I'm collecting this kind of donations. You know, we need bikes. We need uh, clothing, you know, money, clothing. Yeah. You know, we need toys. We need whatever. And then we would get all that donation items and. <clears throat> And we would even take people with us, uh, volunteers to help us. And we'd go to, I remember, remember we took uh, one, some of your students. You made yep. it a, a yep. service, service, uh, learning, service project. learning project. Yeah, yeah I'm going to do a separate podcast though about service learning for students. It's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And we went to New Orleans, remember? Mm -hmm. So we can talk about uh, some of that later on. Yeah. But so with the refugees, with the Burmese refugees, uh, we made it, a, a, again, an, a project, you know, with students. And we took some of your students and we went out to these um, homes where the refugees are. And basically, we try to teach them, label things and show them. Even I took my mom with me because mm -hmm. she speaks a language, right? I mean, that's a good resource to have. I don't remember if my dad went, but I know I, my mom went. And so we helped them with, you know, this is uh, detergent. This yeah. is to wash your clothes. So with. This is to Yeah, every How basic. to use a bathtub, remember? Yes. A kid, I think, collected turtles in the bathtub. <clears throat> yeah. uh, and, and during the hurricane, remember, they, were yeah. start, they started uh, <laughs> cooking. You know, a family the... just showed up right before hurricane hit and lost power, right? Yep. And that apartment complex was specifically, I think, houses a lot of refugees yeah, from around the world, for, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. yeah. And so what we discovered, like, post-hurricane, and we showed up to see how people were doing, is that almost outside every Burmese refugee's apartment in their little, um, what do you call that? Uh, not balcony. Veranda? Uh -huh, yeah, outside. There was, like, a burnt area on the concrete right outside their door, right? Remember? Because that's how they survived. Because they were making fires. <laughs> And or cooking, cooking in large pots, right? Yeah, but, Whereas, but then uh, the apartment complex, you know, quickly came and said, no, you yeah, can't yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah, of course, that's a fire hazard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? But the point is, is that these yeah, people know really survive. know how to survive, right? Because that's what they had to do. They, right. they, they live without power, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. the fact that they didn't know what a microwave was, they didn't know... Uh, the refrigerator, Whatever, how to yeah. properly dishwasher, mm -hmm. of course, wasn't used the way. Yeah, and I was afraid at one point, you know, they had Clorox and, mm -hmm. you know, detergent oh, chemicals, and yeah. all these different chemicals. And uh, I had to label them and tell them, you know, you don't drink this, yeah. right? You don't, you and know, carpeting. you use this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I used to carpeting. One, one of the families had like yeah. a how many bags of uh, rice? Yeah, because every time they went out, they thought, you know, their survival instincts kicked in, I think, right? And they just kept storing them to the point where they became bug infested. Mm -hmm. And you can hear, you know, some of the bags and they stored yeah, so, them literally to the ceiling in a closet. Yeah. We were shocked. And so they and, needed yeah, really a lot this, of assistance. The scarcity mentality, right? They're yeah. afraid that they're not going to be able to um, have or, you know, yeah. have enough because it was a, a big family. And, and do you remember their, their governmental resources? Didn't it last for six months and then they're on their own? Yeah, the, that's Do you it. remember? Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, you know, again, you know, the funds are allotted. Um, you know, we get federal grants. You have to write the, you know, write the proposals and get the grants. And then you have to allot them in a particular way. And um, so it's not as... Um, you know, as easy and, you know, oh, money's just, you know, flowing and going out the door as, you know, like we think it's. Um, yeah. 
uh, pe- people yeah, have the wrong assumption, you know, maybe yeah, it's through yeah, their you political, also have to pay staff. you know, it's mm-hmm. that immigrants come and use up all the resources and, and live off the government, but that's really not how it works. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they really have to scratch and claw to survive and think about the language barrier and you expect a family, you know, who knows what kind of education or lack of education they may have dealing with the cultural language barrier, dealing with the living standard, right? And can I say Go something ahead. about yeah. the refugees, whether it's the Burmese refugees or, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what country they from, they're from. But in my own experience, and this is when we were living in Thailand and here, you know, one of the things that I would ask is, um, you know, well, have you ever thought about going back? And without a delay, they usually say, yes, I want to go back. I want to go home. Now, this is before the coup, you know, this is in the past when I worked with um, the refugees and uh, when we lived in Thailand. And and I know of uh, several, you know, uh, that have gone back and that have, they're, they're in Burma now, yeah. right now, you know, during yeah. the coup. So um, this well, is why I yeah. go back because yeah. I want to be home. You know, as much as, you know, I enjoy the privileges and all of those things. And because I have those privileges, I feel that it's my responsibility to go back and help and do as much as I can, whether over there or here, you know, uh, for the Burmese refugees, you know, from day one, um, I was involved. You know, I've gone, I can't remember a countless number of meetings uh, on my own time. You know, I don't get paid for those. I don't mind it because I know that it's needed. It's the same thing now with um, with the, what's happening in Burma. Um, you know, the time difference, you know, it takes a toll on you, right? Because yeah. Well, you're monitoring ahead. it and <clears throat> to communicate with our friends during and, their morning, it would be late night for us. Yeah. You and, know, and you know, we're just checking begin- in. Yeah, yeah at just- the beginning and now still now, you know, um, I wake up every morning wondering, you know, are they okay? You know, I think many of them are no more than 24, 25, 26, you know. Yeah, and, and the people we're talking about are the young people we met during yeah, our right, right. long stay there for four months. I have family there too. Yeah, and family, right, of course. And from late 2017 to early 2018, we extended our visas. We stayed for about four months in a monastery. Actually, it's a university monastery. So it's monks and nuns who are studying for graduate degrees and undergraduate degrees. So it's, it's an academic setting as well as a sort of a religious. Yeah. And and, and there's a, a story behind this is that mm-hmm. back in 2008, I went to, uh, to I took a trip. Um, it was a pilgrimage type trip with my mother. And we went to India and to Thailand. And during that trip to India, um, I met uh, a monk through, of course, my dad, uh, who <laughs> planned every single step of the, the trip. Um, and so from that trip, uh, I met this particular monk and um, I had talked to him about possibly going to, to Burma. And there's just so many you know backgrounds because the reason we went to Thailand was because we couldn't live in Burma at the time. Yeah. Back in 2010. So in 2008, when I met him, the monk, I had talked to him about wanting to go back to Burma and wanting to do more work and, you know, just wanting to give back. And when the time actually came, it took a long time before we went back. We went back in 2012 for a wedding, but there was never a time for me, for us to stay longer because in order for Jack to continue to work and teach abroad, we have to have internet. Right. And it just uh, wasn't available then. Yeah, it just wasn't available the way that we would like it to work. So uh, so finally in 2017, um, from my contact from 2008, um, we were able to go back and stay as long as we did. So we went back, I think, um, end of October in 2017, and we stayed until almost towards uh, end of April. 2018. Yeah. Talk about immersion, huh? Yeah. And so the reason I wanted to do that was because at the time, um, uh, we had lived in, in, we, we left, we left the U S in 2010, lived in Thailand for four years. 
And then uh, we went to Taiwan for what, two years or so. Yeah. And I felt that it was time for us to take a plunge and go to Burma. And this is, of course, after, you know, going through, jumping through hoops to get our visas and, you know, and making sure that we can use internet so that Jack can teach and, you know, all of those hoops. Um, and it, it's not an easy hoop. They're not easy hoops to jump through, especially getting visas, you know, and then renewing them and staying longer and so on and so forth. So, uh, but we did it. And the reason we went back in 2017 was because I really wanted Emma to uh, know her roots, where her mother, you know, came from and, you know, the culture and the religion and all of those things. And I wanted to introduce her to the language and, you know, and Buddhism and all that great stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So by then we had already lived in Thailand for four years and we had lived in Taiwan. for. So she got to learn her Taiwanese yeah, roots, yeah, roots yeah. already in Taiwan. And and we have been in and out of Taiwan for ever since 2008, for Emma anyway. Yeah, she went there when she was like five. Um, so, you know, there's so much <laughs> cross um, mm. crossing, you know, and her learning about the language, you know, in Burma, learning, you know, Thai in, in Thailand. I don't think she, re- I don't know if she remembers any of it. But, you know, and then learning Mandarin when we were living in, mm. in Taiwan and, you know, learning about food and the culture. And um, to me, you know, that's 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 part of I, I this is what I always tell Emma is that as a parent, um, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, um, what is that? You know, we leave a will and, you know, all this <laughs> uh, um, uh uh, you know, the things that you leave for your children. Yeah. What am I looking What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Inheritance? Inheritance. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Inheritance. Oh, this is how we work, by the way. <laughs> we, we each have equally poor memory. So if one of us has a memory trigger, we can usually come yeah, up with someone's name. With by someone, someone has the first name, then it's the other person will have the last name, you know, yeah. or a movie so, title. We'll have half of it. <laughs> the, the other person has half of it. And then Emma would just jump in and say, it's this. Yeah, yeah, she's so, our so, memory yeah. tool. So you know, I I always tell her, you know, inheritance to me, it's not something I give to her when I go away. You know, when I leave this earth, I want to give her an inheritance while I'm still living because that's part of my job in teaching her, and this is why we homeschooled her. You know, and I yeah. I feel uh, for a long time I beat my I just was beating myself up and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I've done the worst thing in the world to a child. You know, um, but I, I look back and I, I think about, you know, how much we have given her, mm-hmm. you know, the Burmese culture and the Taiwanese culture, the language, the food, and, um, and she has the best of all worlds. And um, so, yeah, you know, my inheritance to her is while I'm still living and I yeah. am giving her that every single day since the day she was born. And I don't think we're going to stop for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we just celebrated. Ready. We just celebrated Mother's Day, and and indeed, I think you're an awesome mom for Emma, and I think she's really become this really nice, uh, responsible global citizen. She feels yeah. like the world is small. Even when she was a little kid, she goes, "Let's go to Australia." You know, I want to go see sharks, and I that know, was when she was in her shark that. phase. And I think you know, even a lot of my peers don't travel much, and they think just going on a road <clears> trip out of state is a big deal. And for Emma, I pretty sure she would be pretty confident that if we just told her, okay, just to pack up and uh, make your, go to Taiwan on your own, she would do it. I I think she'll figure it out without a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's finish up by talking about the project you're working on. on on. Yeah, I know. I'll bring you back for other topics (laughs) like homeschooling and stuff. I'm getting a hang of this. This is Yeah, you're enjoying. Yeah. I had to drag you (laughs) kicking and screaming just to get on the podcast. And and Emma's next like, because what am I gonna say? I mentioned Emma like Emma, you want to be on my podcast? Talk about this, and she starts backing away and, and <laughs> running into the other part of the house. And actually, A right now is in another part of the house, and and just because <laughs> to record two people, the the setup just wasn't going to work in the same room. So uh, that's all so, right. Yeah, I, we're talking I'm, to each I'm other. Getting a hang of it. You're getting the hang of it, right? You yeah. enjoy this, right? Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so let's let's finish up by talking about some, you know, taking action. We know how frustrating it is trying to monitor our friends in Burma and the the real danger they're in, just checking in to see if they're alive yeah. and healthy and safe yeah, every you know, day. You know, that's what I was saying earlier. You know, I wake up every morning since February 1st. Um, you know, are they okay? You know, uh, I'm constantly checking in on them um, because, you know, they were all going out to protest. And um, like you were saying earlier, they're all in their 20s. You know, they're old enough to be our kids, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So I, I they're, worry they're about them. Dude. They're lay people. They're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We stay there a lot with the monks and nuns, but we're talking about um, non-monks, non-nuns, these young people who are university, yeah, they're university the students. And, and we're yeah. helping them with their English, and we build a great rapport with them. Right. And we went on road trips a lot together. And so I, I feel yeah, they like took us everywhere. we're like their surrogate parents in a way, right. age-wise. We can be, right? And, and a lot and of them was, are. That was in 2018 when we left. Yeah, right, three years and we ago, kept in yeah. touch with them, and mm-hmm. and uh, when the coup happened, within I would say within a couple of weeks, I got on Zoom with them and started talking to them because yeah. um, I knew that you know, of course, they didn't know how long this was going to last, and right. you know, um, how this they was haven't gonna, they don't know the history, never, yeah, they don't yeah. they haven't lived it. Not that right. they don't know it, they haven't lived through lived the it, right, right, history. So I got on Zoom with them right away, and um, and you know, and chatted with them. And by March 14th, it, it happened on February 1st, right? By March 14th, they no longer had internet as in because everyone have access to internet through their phones. So that was all cut out no more. So, um, in order for them to, you know, uh, get online and talk to us, they had to have other services put in. And, um, so I, you know, in the morning, get up, you know, around sometime two, three in the morning, you know, and I get very little sleep, but now I'm getting better at it. But every day there's something, you know, going on. So, um, so again, you know, the, the February 1st, um, it was only, it was still January 31st here. And I was in tears because I knew what was about to happen. And you can follow along because you can read the language, right, you can speak right. the language, you can yeah, understand you, it I understand. more so than just like a, a Westerner trying to keep up. Yeah. You only get what's filtered through the English language media. Right, right. And you're and getting, so, yeah, yeah I, firsthand. And at the beginning, um, I was seeing all the footages because they were live, you know, uh, live, live streaming, yeah. streaming everything. And, uh, oh, it was just horrendous, horrible, atrocious. Um, I, I, I ran out of... Uh, you know, the terrible adjectives to describe what was happening. Um, you know, just leaving me some, somehow, sometimes um, feeling like I can't, I can't do enough, you know. So since the beginning, we have, t- we, we have um, financially supported um, at least 20 students, mm. um, plus a, a nunnery that I just, you know, they, they just have a, um, a really close yeah, and when we heart, support so. them because of CDM, can you talk a little bit about CDM and yeah, what that so means and, CD, and why CDM. they need support, financial support? Well, so um, you know, at the beginning, uh, I, I CDM didn't even it hadn't even uh, surfaced yet. They haven't even talked about CDM. CDM came later, but um, but I wanted to help them because I knew that uh, so many things will you know be in shortage. You know, food and who knows you know, right. too many things to mention, but CDM came about later and that civil dif- disobedience uh, movement, CDM, civil disobedience movement. And basically what is short, um, a lot of the citizens, Myanmar people are not going back to work. Mm-hmm. They don't want to work for the military. Right. Because by working and putting money into the economy, it's basically the military who are going to benefit, right? Not from not that. the citizens, yeah. right? And so we support that totally. And there are, you know, I mean, I I know too many people that yeah. are uh, they have a warrant out for their arrest, mm-hmm. you know. And and I'm every day I'm thinking, are they okay? I'm getting on Facebook to see if they have liked something yeah. or if they have posted something. Or we hear of a young person being shot in a particular yeah, town. We're myself, wondering, oh my is gosh, it, you know, is it, you yeah, know, yeah. It's horrendous in any case, whoever it is, you know. 
there's a lot of suffering and grieving. Yeah, it doesn't but, matter. You know, there's yeah, just it doesn't too matter much of it. Too much of it. If it's, if it's of our, it. our friends or not, yeah, it yeah. doesn't really matter. Uh, but but because the people that I that we know, you know, I it just heightened my more my awareness and you know and and worries for them. Yeah. Anyway, so um, CDM is basically a civil diso- disobedience movement, right? Yeah. So when we when we say we are helping uh, people on CDM, that's what we're saying, yeah. right? And so in order for them to continue to survive and live without working, they're not yeah. getting paid anymore. If you're on CDM, they're out to look for you and arrest you and throw you in jail and torture you and you may not come back alive. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Right. And there's been too many of that. Right. So, um, I know personally, I just talked to someone the other day. We have, we know people all all over the country. They're all Mm -hmm. over the country because initially when we met them, we met them in a particular city. They were all going to a university there, but they come from all parts of the country. So I have connection with them. Somehow um, I can, you know, get in touch with them. Now it's a, a matter of trying to see, figure out uh, how to get the the donations to them, right? Yeah. So we have helped them, you know, initially uh, with so many people. Now I just received a call for help the other day through Signal. I only use Signal with them because mm-hmm. that is the only encrypted right. um, way to communicate with them. And even with Signal, I'm telling them every day I have to put settings that says that will, you know, erase our conversations within 24 hours or a week, you know, so that if they get caught, that, you know, they won't be in trouble. Yeah. Digital security and privacy is really foremost because they, as a country, they're mobile first. They thought Facebook is the internet because that's what they use for everything. And and literally that's what they've told us. And that's actually how they use it. And almost everybody posts everything publicly. There's no sense of, um, you know, and especially post coup, yeah, they 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 you know, just had that no we really idea. had to yeah we really had to remind them that that they have to safeguard their digital information. I think for the, sometimes for some of lives. them they still don't. Yeah, some of them still don't still post yeah. things. You know. Yeah, and so they're it's, they're easy to catch. Yeah, you know, uh, easy to be you know followed and found. Yeah, yeah, and, and be found. Um, okay, so um, the CDM is is what we're referring to and. Um, you know, we go to different fundraisers, we go to different um, rallies, and, you know, we um, participate in so many different ways. Uh, I'm on Twitter, you know, following Instagram, you name it. You know, I got onto Telegram because that's what they use. Yeah, you know, we've so never used Telegram them. before. I've never yeah, used it yeah. before. It's fairly secure, um, I read, yeah. And Discord because of, um, you know, your your uh, your group. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whatever ways that I could do to, uh, whatever ways that I can participate to uh, make, take, I guess, uh, raise awareness, you know, is what I've been doing digitally and through social media uh, and going, attending, you know, different rallies and so on and so forth. The, uh, the fundraisers, um, I can tell you that there's one coming up in Austin. So if you're listening from Austin, yeah. um, there's one coming up in, on May 22nd. And we'll, yeah. we'll likely in, in Texas in general, yeah, if they're within yeah. driving distance. So we went to one in um, Fort Worth recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, this is such a great way to learn about the Burmese culture. Yeah. And if you want to eat Burmese food, this is a great way to mm-hmm. uh, to go and, you know, just... See yeah. what it's all about. You yeah, know? they're cooking food to raise money. Oh, my yeah. gosh. There's yeah. going to be so much good food. So it's going to be great. And if people my, want to meet up with us to have a more in-depth conversation, you yeah, know, yeah. we can and, meet them and, there. And but, want to help out, you know. So um, let's be concrete. How how can people, because I have a lot of contact information I put in the show notes for each of my episodes. But yeah, for this particular purpose. For, for Burma Relief, um, yeah. you know, for now, let's just say that um, – you can find me mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, you can find me at Got Passport, G O T P A S S P O R T, Got Passport. Yeah. Right? On Twitter. And yeah. that's, that's, 
the account that we've had since 2008. Yeah. So we've had... There are some travel bloggers of, out there who are probably very angry that we still have that. We got that very early on in the Twitter <laughs> verse. It's okay. Uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> it's an awesome Twitter handle. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, uh, we got also, Passport. Yeah, mm-hmm. we also have a Facebook page, Got Passport family page on facebook yeah. and so i've search, had that yeah search it and you'll find the page got passport family yeah forever. And you can also send private messages on both yeah you can you can send me messages i'm the one that monitors yeah all the messages through there yeah. and if you want to see uh you know what kind of things i'm tweeting and if you want to know what's happening with burma in general um you'll find mm-hmm. a lot of information right. through my tweets okay so whether someone just wants to casually learn yeah. more or want to be wants to be more in-depthly involved or want wants or has the desire to donate money because if you're listening to my podcast you kind of hopefully you you trust me as a source of course you know i don't advise anyone just to trust anybody right but just know well, that you can, you can contact me and ask me questions yeah. and how yeah. i'm distributing how, the money and exactly you know uh, uh you know yeah, my, my goal ideas. is yeah, is to uh, help the people in Burma, you know, and to survive and stay, be able to survive through this coup. And they need our help to do that. Yeah. And right now, the only way we can do that is by sending money or sending them um, support, yeah. you know. Support in some way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in some way. And we're not going to take a dime. If, if people out there listening... And whether they're our friends and family or just someone on another different part of the world that's listened to this podcast, and you feel like you have a little money money you want to send, you know, we will not take a dime of that. There's no way, you know, hundred oh, no. percent of it. No, no, we've already put go, out a lot of our yeah, own money. We, we've yeah. already spent a lot of our own money uh, because we're and we fortunate. Won't stop. Yeah. Okay. Whether you donate or not, we're not going to stop. We're still. Yeah. We have. I have a lot of plans on you know what I want to yeah. do and how I want to help uh, the people of Burma. And uh, whether you donate a dollar or two or three, it doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. We'll take any amount. And what matters is that your money multiplies in Burma. Yeah. Because I, you know, I forget what it of is. The now. exchange Maybe, rates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the exchange rate mm-hmm. is quite high. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but there are some shortages right now. You know, there's a lot of the ethnic minorities are, uh, they're displaced, meaning that they can no longer live in their own towns because they're being shot at, you know, there's bombs and what is that thing called? Uh, RPG. RPGs. Yeah. Well, the, the main Burmese government <laughs> has had a beef and conflict with so many different ethnic, ethnic minorities. Groups, right. And many of the <laughs> ethnic groups actually do have their own like re- rebel semi-military type. Groups. Yeah. They have to defend and, themselves. Yeah. And because of this latest coup, suddenly all these different groups that used to only be about protecting themselves are, right? Isn't it true that they're they're more or less united? Yes, um, they've become more effort? united. And they're joining um, the CDM, yes. I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. So and, this coup and then, is really uniting the country. That, exactly. In some, exactly. In some way, yeah. That's the best way to uh, uh, put it. So what's happened is that um, the military continues to bomb and just terrorize the entire nation, basically. If you're against them, then more than likely, you know, you're going to be on their shit list. Yeah. And people might think of Burma as a poor country, but it's the people that are poor. The military government has means. Oh, no. Oh, they no, have no. means to lots of money and resources, and because there are countries... That they've basically robbed. Yeah, they basically robbed the entire country of its natural resources. Mm-hmm. That's what they've done, and they've, you know, ran off and sold it off to other countries and like yeah. China. Just when any you know? any corrupt and then, regime regime and then does, they, yeah. they pocket it. Yeah. They are billionaires. Yeah, I, I did not know this until this coup happened. Yeah, I knew they were all wealthy and rich, but I did not know that they were millionaires, billionaires, or in the billions. Yeah, yes, in the billions. Yeah. And so this is where the sanctions happened, and uh, the sanctions used to be just you know, oh, we sanction, we know the imports, entire country. No, yeah, yeah, it used to be just the entire country. Now they're general, individual, um, general. I mean, like the generals, you know, the yeah. military generals. Uh, they're individual specific, right? 
So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot to go into details, but, you know, yeah, if you yeah. want to have conversations with me about that, and I'm no expert again, I just follow it, you know, to the best of my ability, um, but I'm learning more and more about it. Um, so, you know, if you want to learn more about it or want to talk to me about it, you can email me. Uh, and I'm just not going to share a lot of my personal information just because, um, uh, for example, you know, my email address and, you know, my phone number and all of that stuff, but you can contact me through Got Passport at least. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that good? Yeah. 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 I think the Twitter... Um, it's public. Yeah, it's public. And, and it, if anything else, they can contact me and then sure. we'll go to you. But but we'll, we'll set something up so yeah. that yeah. there's a very secure way of communication that doesn't put anyone in, at risk. Yeah, and hopefully. I... I feel like this conversation, and I should have known better, um, it's incomplete. You know, we'll have a follow-up. Uh, I just have so much to say now that I've started, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I told you you should have uh, your and, own podcast. And, and so uh, thank you for, you know, having me on this. Um, I think I'm my nerves are okay now. I'm not as anxious. I just have yeah. hot flushes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you want, we could do another episode about women's oh, health gosh. and mental health. Totally. And, and <laughs> menopause. Um, maybe some other time. But uh, but I, I'm, I'm also grateful that we're able to do this interview um, because it also allows me personally, you know, I've just been doing this solo thing for a long, for 12 months now, right? Just locking myself in and the room and recording. You've done a great job. And you have. It's, it's nice to be able to branch out and do interviews because I have some very... Um, especially next week, a very well-known psychologist will be uh, my Woo-hoo. my guest, my second guest. Okay, yeah. so I'm glad I have you as my first guest. So at least mm-hmm. we get this get I the logistics so out of the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and so I'm very excited that um, people are finding me. So it's not just me begging to interview people. This next person is someone whose publicist found me to see if I wanted to interview him so I'm, I'm very grateful for that and it's allowed me to branch out and to be interviewed on other people's podcasts and to, and to interview others and just to help the podcast grow because i yeah. feel like we have a mission here at uh and our listener trenton came up with the acronym well it's just not really an acronym but just sort of a nickname for our podcast psycon x right Psy-Con psychology x Psychology concepts explain. Oh, it looks okay. better in writing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a little bit weird when you say it out loud, but I kind of like it. I wish I can use the, that for a website name. But anyway, thank you, A, for joining, and um, hopefully You're we'll welcome, have you on, honey, on a regular basis. Okay, honey. Okay. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, we need to eat a late dinner. So yeah, I know. It's okay, late. I'll see you in the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Signing off. Okay. Okay. Bye. Love you. Hey there, thanks for listening to this podcast today. Can you do me a big favor? Um, Just so that this podcast gets heard by more students of psychology and other people interested in the field, uh, go to Apple Podcasts and put a little rating there if you like and uh, a brief... uh, review okay and you can also contact me directly using the links in the description whether it's twitter or email with any suggestions or feedback that you may have to make the show better and uh, if there are any topics you want me to talk about i can add them and if you want to support me by buying me a coffee the methods are listed in the description as well again thanks and have a great day